from the Medical Republic. I'm Francis Wilkins and this is The Tea Room. Every ship needs a captain and in a few days the RACGP will begin looking for its own. Someone who can guide the ship through the troubled waters of Australian primary care. Nominations for RACGP president are about to open and we'll be inviting some of the hopefuls to join us in The Tea Room. Now, the incumbent president, adjunct Professor Karen Price, is the voice of a profession that's committed, but also in crisis. There are long-standing challenges, billing structure, how to stem the decline of a rural and a regional workforce, and how to improve Indigenous healthcare. And more recently, we've had COVID. In the next three months, Professor Price will be working to establish a solid relationship with the new Albanese government, something the new president will need to build on. So, with the profession exhausted and demoralised, who'd want the job? Well, one person is Victorian GP, Dr Chris Irwin, founder of The Skin Doctor and a skin cancer specialist. And of course, he's also president of the Australian Society of General Practice. Chris, welcome to the Tea Room, and thanks for joining us for a chat. Thanks so much, Francis. Absolute pleasure to talk to you today. So look, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself and why you're running for ICGP president? At its most basic, I am a coalface GP that wants nothing more than to sit in my consult room, spend time with my patients and just do good for them. That's all I want. Unfortunately, I feel through watching the RACGP fumble through many transformative processes within Australia the last couple of decades, that we are at a crisis and that something positive needs to change or general practice will face a slow, inevitable decline. So I'm a GP and a practice owner, so I own a couple of uh, GP clinics and I'm extremely fortunate to work with many uh, GP contractors. I also run a primarily a lobby organization called the Australian Society of General Practice. It's essentially an organization that exists because no one else is standing up for general practice, lobbying effectively, in my opinion. We're also trying to become a union-like organization for general practice in the longer term. Mm. Regarding why I'm running for ICGP president, as I think I said, general practice is an absolute crisis and positive change needs to occur. Medicare rebates are worth 50% of what they would have been if they'd just kept up with inflation. And this is an ongoing freeze. We've still got this ongoing freeze by stealth. We've got training intake for registrars that have never been lower in real terms. I think there's been a 30% drop in intake this year alone. And remember, of course, that we're not even trying to train the entirety of general practice anymore. The Department of Health has given up on that. Over 50% of GPs are now international medical graduates, Mm. our our brothers and sisters that we need to do more to support. You posted yesterday about the practice experience program. Mm. And while it's currently government funded, it's being phased out in June 2023, of course, Mm. uh, to be replaced by a GP self-funded fellowship program. Could you uh, share your thoughts on that? I think that IMGs have never been exploited more. 
We've got the Pratt's Experience Program I'll talk about in a moment. But we've also, of course, got this bizarre and frankly horrible system in which IMGs are essentially bonded to medical practices, almost like property. For example, the recent collapse of the TriStar Group in which you have GPs that have not been paid for three months that are bound to these failed practices that in many cases not open. They're unable to treat patients because the practices aren't open and they're not allowed to work nearby to help their patients because their visa is tied to their workplace. This is something that I think the RSCGP traditionally has really done very little to advocate for IMGs and something that I want to change. Hmm. Regarding the practice experience uh, pathway or PEP, these changes are complex and I think fundamentally just go once more to the absolutely appalling ability of the RACGP to advocate and lobby for doctors, whether they be international or locally trained VR or in the process of obtaining uh, VR through the RACGP. The essential problem is that the Department of Health uh, apparently doesn't see the point in the PEP pathway anymore and doesn't understand that over 50% of our doctors are IMGs, the vast preponderance of doctors in rural and remote Australia, and can't put the dots together that making it harder for non-VR doctors to obtain fellowship, uh, increasing barriers. And, of course, these are doctors that are our... Uh, poorest and most marginalized within the profession, that by making it more difficult for these doctors and increasing costs, all it is going to do is further exacerbate the rural workforce crisis. Now, fundamentally, this is a failing of the Department of Health. But more than that, this is why the RACGP or a third party like the Australian Society of General Practice needs to be strong enough to effectively advocate and lobby for not just GPs, but Australian patients. Mm, Sure. Now, if you were to be successful in becoming president, a lot of these tasks would fall to you, obviously. So what's your vision for the RACGP? My vision is simple. It's an organization that actually exists for members and not the other way around. My vision is for a positive college that is willing to embrace change instead of being stuck in the past, a college that realizes there is an existential threat to the future of general practice, and a college that stands up for GPs. I think that the greatest weakness of the RACGP currently is it doesn't listen to members. It communicates extremely poorly with members. Now, just remember, of course, in communication, you should always assume that if someone does not understand your message, it is probably a problem with your message and not the recipient. I completely believe there's a systemic issue with regards to communication with GPs, but also more broadly, the entire organizational idea of what the RACGP actually exists for. 
So that brings back to my central point in that I primarily want GPs to believe that the RSCGP is an organization that exists for them and the benefit of themselves and their patients, as opposed to a monolith uh, that uh, seems to exist in many cases to just further its own agenda. So moving sort of outward a bit now, we've just had an election. The RACGP met for the first time with the new health minister, Mark Butler. I'd imagine lots of pleasantries were exchanged and so on. Once you get down to business, if you're elected, how would you manage the relationship with government given everything that the college needs to achieve? Mm. First of all, I'll talk about the, the cordiality. These first meetings between the RACGP president and government are always cordial and they've repeated themselves through countless ministers and countless presidents. It, it happens the same way every time and every time I get slightly more infuriated by it in that a new president comes along to meet the health minister. A health minister will say sweet nothings about how important general practice is a president comes under the mistaken impression that the government of the day actually cares and wants to do what's best for Australian patients. After some time, further cuts occur and a disillusioned president uh, leaves and a new, uh, slightly more naive president comes along. The process it continues itself and becomes a snake eating its tail. Do you think in this case, the RACGP has had the wool pulled over its eyes already by uh, Minister Butler? I'm not party to those uh, discussions, so I don't know and I can't infer the inner mind of uh, the current president or the board, but there is an extreme history of the board of the RACGP and the president being taken in uh, by a health minister before being spat out the other side. Uh, for example, uh, I'd like GPs to recall the disastrous in-the-tent mantra of the RACGP during the last decade, which essentially prevented it from criticising any government policy while having zero effect on policy for the benefit of patients or GPs. What the RACGP and, in fact, all general practice need to understand is that what general practice wants and what any government of the day wants will always be different. GPs primarily want adequate funding to support excellent patient care and outcomes. The government primarily wants to minimise costs, increase bureaucratic control, and increasingly to mine big data. As a secondary issue for any government is to minimise negative press from general practice, and optimising patient care is always the last priority for any government. And we have to frame any discussions with government with this understanding. Because simply talking to a far more powerful entity like government compared to the college, when you both have competing agendas, the college will always fail to achieve anything. The RSCGP has always believed if you simply state your well-thought-out ideas that create optimal health outcomes, that government will realise this is good and implement it. And this has never happened. Instead, what happens is government cherry picks cost-cutting ideas and discards everything else. You need carrots and you need sticks to gain leverage to implement positive change for GPs. Uh, the carrots need to be both optimising budget issues for government, as that's their primary concern, and filling their wants, 
and it needs to be political as well. And the sticks need to be that politicians understand that negative press and consequences that will harm them politically will occur when they pursue policies that harm patients and harm GPs. So what would a new President Chris Irwin take to a ministerial office? Would you be a tougher talker or is there more to it than that? It's far more complicated than that and it's far more difficult. And we have to realise, of course, that we have had fantastic humans as previous presidents of the RSCGP. I struggle to think of a single recent uh, president of the RSCGP that was not passionate, intelligent, smart, and dedicated to the profession. But that is not enough. It goes back to what I was saying in terms of the primary problem with doctors and GPs is we believe that decisions are primarily rational and based on what is best for patients. I don't believe that's a primary decision-making matrix that goes on for both sides of government, and that's why we're failing. So it's really not about tough talking. Um, You need to have positive relationships and you need to build bridges, but we need to engage professional lobbying and all aspects of professional lobbying And we need for politicians to realize that there are carrots and sticks and that if they do what is best for patients and what is best for general practice, they receive favorable outcomes, both from a budgetary point of view and a political point of view. And if they pursue policies that absolutely harm patients, that the reverse is true, that they will understand that there will be a grassroots movement that will educate the public about how they're harming Medicare and harming patients. Hmm. So it's a very complicated issue, but the primary issue is that our current interactions with government are amateur and somewhat naive, and that we need to understand what it is the government wants, and we need to talk to professionals about the optimal way of achieving our needs and our patients' needs. And I suppose a lot of this stuff is about relationships, isn't it? You've got other doctors' groups. You've got naturally the government, as we discussed. You've got the state government. So building bridges there, Chris. You're um, elected as president. You'll certainly have your work cut out. Well, absolutely. And I just want to speak about another sort of issue uh, on the special interest group point of view. Uh, One of the fundamental things I also want to do if elected to the RSCGP president is build bridges with special interest groups like the Skin Cancer College of Australia or Australasia, the SCCA. Uh, This is a a fantastic organisation, which I'm also a member. I mean, you've got passionate GPs that run a member-focused organisation for the benefit of patients and, and doctors. The RACGP currently treats special interest doctors as not really GPs. I was speaking to a colleague of mine, for example, who owns a skin cancer clinic, and he was telling me that his practice failed accreditation that's ultimately under the jurisdiction of the RACGP because even though they completely fulfilled all the criteria for accreditation, their practice was deemed uh, to not have enough, quote, general practice, end quote, because it was primarily a skin cancer clinic. To me, these 
brutish sort of responses to any deviation from the norm just fracture general practice and risk creating another Akram-like organization from the Skin Cancer College. So I really want to focus on building and repairing bridges with other general practice organizations that have been neglected. Mm. Certainly building bridges, as as we said, is something that's going to uh, reflect uh, some of the challenges, but also maybe some of the solutions to building up the profession again and maybe getting out of the crisis in which we are at the moment. So on that note, we'll let you get back to clinic, Chris. And thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. That was Dr. Chris Irwin talking to the Tea Room. Pretty soon I'll be talking to Dr. Brad Murphy, who's also throwing his hat in the ring with his eye on the RACG presidency. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can search for us on your favorite podcast player and subscribe. Leave us a review if you like. And if you have any news tips or want to chat, you can email me at francis at medicalrepublic.com.au. And that's Francis spelt with an I. The Tea Room is a production by the journalists at the Medical Republic. Visit medicalrepublic.com.au to keep up to date with all the latest news and views in general practice. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter. We love to keep you informed. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.